0: Lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried, yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword, stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. lies, making all the darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes. I knew a lack of prey had led me to that hour, standing there surrounded by sin's power. Yet the terror of those moments began to fade away as my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day. And my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword. Light broke through the darkness, a mighty salvation from our lives.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Yesterday was an offertory day, and we started yesterday with a need for $1,540 to be able to cover February's radio bill. Obviously, you've heard the piece of music, and those of you who know me, and then the Red Sea opened is a song of victory, for Jesus has met that cry of our hearts. I want to thank each one of you who prayed and who stood with me and who during the month of February contributed to cover the cost of radio for Pilgrim's Progress. This is a faith ministry. We go literally month by month, trusting Jesus to move in the hearts of his people to cover the cost of the broadcast. So we were one thousand five hundred and forty dollars short yet as of yesterday. Someone called and gave a hundred and forty dollars. Then another person came with a gift of a hundred dollars. And another person called with another gift. We needed twelve hundred when we went off the air yesterday. But as we were going off the air, one precious believer who walks with Jesus pulled the car off on the side of the road, called the radio station and said, I'll cover whatever is left. How much is it? $1,200. And this person said, I'll cover the cost of that. Where do I send the check? I am simply rejoicing in the faithfulness of Jesus. Now I'll tell you one more miracle. Yesterday, I was $2,000 short of being able to pay the rent, which needed to be paid by the first. This was for my personal home, It's the place where we hold the worship service. It's the place where the studio is for the broadcast. I've never been late on rent. But I was $2,000 short. And as I had prayed and waited upon the Lord, yesterday after the broadcast, I met a brother at Panera's and he handed me an envelope. And in the envelope, $2,000. The Lord delivered the radio yesterday, and he delivered the rent yesterday. And I praise God for both. We serve a God who is so awesome. We walk by faith, and we don't waver. We don't doubt. We stand. Thank you, each one of you, who is standing with me. Now let's turn to the scriptures. I want to share some things with you today that I believe will greatly encourage your heart, but also will call you to repent. Let's pray as we begin. O oh Lord, as we come today to this scripture, as we gather in cars and homes and offices to listen to the word. I pray by the mighty power of your Spirit you will quicken the heart of every person listening, that you will address the cry of their heart, and you will meet their need. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, just a quick reminder tomorrow is Friday. I will be live in studio and I will be here to pray for any of you who need to be prayed for, for physical healing, emotional, spiritual healing. I also am inviting you to call in and pray for our president and for our Congress, for our Supreme Court. Do you realize... Since Roe v. Wade was passed, 60 million babies have been murdered in America. That is stunning to me. 60 million babies have been murdered in our lifetime since Roe v. Wade was passed. We need to pray that God will stop this murder in America. He is going to bring judgment because the blood of these babies is crying out to him. So would you call in tomorrow? Would you stand with me and pray for an end to Roe versus Wade and an end to abortion, to the murder of our babies? the womb of the mother should be the safest place in the world. But instead, in America, it has become one of the most dangerous places, especially for Hispanic and black babies. And our governor, the governor of Virginia, believes that a baby, if born, should be kept comfortable until the mother decides whether or not that baby should be killed, and he's a guy he's a, a pediatrician, utterly wicked and then we have those running for the office of president in America who believe in the murder of our babies, and many of the senators. Democrat senators, all but I think three, voted that if a baby escapes the abortion and is born alive, they should not be treated by the doctor. They should be put in the body bag and cast out, murdered. Oh, God is concerned about this. He's desperately concerned. The blood of these babies is crying out to him. So would you call tomorrow? And we'll have a prayer meeting here in Washington, D.C. from 1 to 2 o'clock. And the phone number to call tomorrow is 877-534-0780. And our brother Drew will put you through directly to me online, live on the air, to pray. 877-534-0780. Or if you need prayer and you'd like to be put on a list for me to pray through tomorrow, you can call that number right now and say, Brother Drew, would you put my name down on that list? I need prayer for cancer. I need prayer for discouragement. I need prayer, whatever it's for. Call right now that number and be in line, and tomorrow I'm going to lift you up before the throne of God for victory. All right, let's turn to the scriptures. The title of this broadcast today is Jesus is Everything to Me. Jesus is Everything to Me. After Jesus had finished teaching... that man, Nicodemus, by night. Well, the next morning Jesus went with his disciples into the countryside of Judea to the Jordan River. He spent time with them teaching the disciples. They were new. Also, they were baptizing people. Now, we find in John the third chapter, now John also was baptizing, and an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial washing. Always people want to get in arguments about religion. It's hard to argue about Jesus, though. That's why I avoid most discussions about theology if it doesn't deal with personal salvation, if it doesn't deal with righteousness and holiness, I'm not interested in even engaging. The heart cry I have is for Jesus, for my Savior. He's everything to me. Well, they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan... The one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. Oh, they're trying to stir up trouble between John and Jesus, between their disciples. But John replies in a very powerful way. He said, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less." John is writing such vital information for us in the practice of our faith with each other and with Jesus. I can only receive what Jesus gives to me from heaven. He said to me many years ago, Will you receive from my hand only that which I give you? And I in just a moment said, Yes, Jesus. He was speaking audibly to me. Had I understood what he meant by that, I might not have been so quick to say yes. Because I had things I wanted. I had expectations for my life and my ministry and my success. But he said to me, Will you receive from my hand only that which I give you? Have you made that vow with Jesus yet? It means you don't go and buy a car until Jesus decides to bring that car to you. You don't go out and reach and grasp for anything or anyone. And I have had to go through a process of excruciating pain to learn this lesson that I must accept only from the hand of Jesus what he will give me, because in my greed I have reached out and tried to take what I wanted, sometimes even believing that it's what Jesus wanted for me. But I was impatient and unwilling to wait, and I have caused great anguish and havoc not only in my life but in the lives of my family and others because i reached out to take what i desired what my heart wanted and needed at that moment i have renounced that i have an absolute commitment with the lord that i will receive only what he gives me from heaven i'm not going to go out on my own That's why yesterday I simply said, This is how much is needed. I wasn't going to pressure people. The Holy Spirit had to move in the hearts of people to to bring that cash, to bring that money, to pay the radio station. I wasn't going to reach out and try to grab it. And for my rent, I wasn't going to call some people and say, Oh, I'm in trouble. I can't pay my rent. I'm $2,000 short. Can you please help me? I wasn't going to do that. The Lord said, receive from my hand only what I choose to give you. I waited on the Lord. And he brought to me all that I needed because he wanted me to have it. I only want to have what Jesus wants me to have. I only want the ministry Jesus wants me to have. I only want the friends that Jesus wants me to have. I only want what Jesus wants me to have and gives to me from heaven. And I need to know that it's directly from his hand. I rejoice in the knowledge that my Jesus is the bread of life and his blood is the real drink that cleanses and takes away my sin. What would happen in your life if you made a decision that you'd no longer go after anything except Jesus? That you would seek him with all of your heart? The scriptures say that if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. What if you begin now to repent of everything you've reached out and grabbed in your life that has caused devastation to you? Because frankly, everything you reached out and grabbed has brought trouble in your life. Will you recognize that? And will you repent of that? Before Jesus will step in and begin to order your life, you're going to have to go through... What I call the gap dragon time, that is that space between where you let go of running your life and when Jesus takes a hold of it and begins to carry you, there's a gap there, and Jesus is giving you that gap to test you to see if you'll really trust him, or if in the end you're going to say, "Jesus didn't show up, He didn't meet my expectations. I'm going to go after it and get it for myself. I'm talking about the job he wants you to have, the work he wants you to do, the ministry he wants you to work in. Every aspect of your life must come from the hand of Jesus from heaven, or it is of your flesh and it is of darkness. And for many of you, almost everything you have came from your hand, not the hand of Jesus. And I would plead with you to make a list of every part of your life. Some of you are married to a person you went after. You grabbed them. Some of you have cars that you went out because of the lust of your heart and you bought. Should you get rid of all of that? No. But you lift it before Jesus and you repent and you vow, I will never again reach out my hand and take anything that Jesus does not give me from heaven. He will work the circumstances of my life and I will trust him. Now I hope what you're catching is Jesus is not an imaginary friend. He is real, and he rules. And in the end, he will decide, based on your life, whether you're a sheep or a goat, whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. Your life is in his hands, and if you can't trust him for today with your life, how can you trust him for eternity? You can't and you won't. So Jesus is faced with the argument. And now John says a man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ. He's not the Christ, and he freely admits that. The one who comes from above is above all. He's saying, I am in a process. Jesus must become greater and greater in my life and in ministry, and I must become less and less. That is the process of growing in Jesus. He does not build our pride. He does not build our ego. He does not build our kingdom. He is building his kingdom on the earth. And you are called to be a do-law slave of his, one who has no rights except as they are granted to you by our Lord Jesus He said, verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Literally in the Greek, whoever rejects is whoever disobeys the Son, will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Obedience is always in the New Testament, the test of whether or not I belong to Jesus. In the New Testament, there is no imputed grace. It is imparted grace. It is real grace. It is given as a gift, a free gift. It is given by faith in jesus and it requires real choices and real decisions that you will make that will say i will trust him i will trust him will you trust him will you trust him now I want to show you Jesus' response to this. Remember, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because he said he was humble and gentle. So the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, so they tried to stir up trouble. In the fourth chapter of the book of John, we learn that it was not Jesus who was baptizing, it was his disciples who were baptizing. But when the Lord learned of this conflict that was being stirred up between John and himself by the Pharisees, he simply walked away. He wasn't going to try to prove that he was the Messiah. He just walked away. And he went back to Galilee. He went back to Galilee. He's not going to engage in this conflict with John. Now, when Jesus got back, he was teaching. And in the book of Luke, we find him teaching the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount that we find also in Matthew, the fifth chapter. But in the seventh chapter, Jesus enters Capernaum. And there, there is a centurion who has a servant that is dearly loved. And this servant is sick and on the verge of dying. So the centurion hears that Jesus has come back and he sent some elders of the Jewish people to him and asked Jesus to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with these Jewish rulers. As he approached the house, the centurion sent friends out to say to Jesus, Lord, Please don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Well, amazing. This is a Roman officer. Proud, arrogant by every account. But this man is humble of heart. And he's heard about Jesus. And his heart has been transformed by the message of this Messiah. And he says, I'm not even worthy to come into this man's presence. He is God. He understands who Jesus is. And Jesus replies... I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had sent him returned to the house and they found the servant had been healed. Now, there's another story connected with this. In just a moment, I'll share with you why I'm telling you these stories. Jesus is walking in Galilee and he comes to a little town called Nain. His disciples are with him and there's a large crowd of people that are walking along with him. And as he approaches the town gate, there is a funeral procession coming out of the town. There's a a dead man on on a stretcher that they're taking to a tomb. He is the only son of his mother, and she is a widow. That means this woman is in desperate trouble because if she doesn't have a husband and she doesn't have a son in that culture, who will take care of her? Who will provide her with housing? Who will provide her with food and shelter? She will have to become a slave. A large crowd from the town was going out to bury this precious son. And when the Lord saw this procession, when he heard the weeping and the crying, when he heard the story of what had happened, his heart went out to her. And he went to her. He stopped the procession. He said, don't cry. Last night, I was with a precious wife of a dear man who's in the hospital, who's been very seriously ill. I said to her, The Lord has a very strong word for you. Don't be afraid. Jesus is working everything out in your behalf. She smiled. The tears were dried. He said, Don't cry. Don't be afraid. Then Jesus moved to where the the briar lay, and those carrying it stood still. And Jesus said to the dead man, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all absolutely filled with awe. Everybody began to shout and praise God. They'd never seen anything like this before. They'd never heard of anything like this. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now John's disciples because he's now been put in prison. John's disciples come to John and they begin to tell him all of these things. They tell him these stories. And of course, John would not even look at or speak to a centurion, a wicked Roman in his eyes. And he's wondering, "How can Jesus speak to this wicked centurion?" And questions and doubts rise up in his mind. He hasn't heard about Jesus taking out King Herod and the wicked woman he's married to his his brother's wife Herodias. He's wondering where is the revolution?" John expected Jesus to come and institute the kingdom of God and cast the Romans out. He hated the Romans. He thought Jesus was going to come and establish a kingdom that would then rule the world. And here's John, he's in prison. he can't understand why am i in prison why am i not released to be with jesus why is the kingdom of god not being established as was proclaimed have i wasted my time did i miss it you see john from the very beginning of his life had been told stories about the miraculous birth about the angel coming about mary Having a baby in her womb by a virgin birth. He knows the scriptures. But he's now saying, Did I miss it? And so he sends his disciples, two of them, to go to Jesus to ask him the question Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When they came to Jesus, They said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus did not give them a sermon. He didn't lecture them. He didn't rebuke John's doubt. He didn't say anything. He ignored their question. And he began to move and heal the diseases and the sicknesses, casting out evil spirits. He healed the blind. And then he turned to the messengers finally. Verse 22, this is Luke 7, verse 22. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. John the Baptist's heart was filled with doubt. his expectations for Jesus were not being met and that caused him to doubt whether he was even the Messiah now I want to turn to you have you ever had doubt in your heart that Jesus was the Messiah when I was In high school, I had a hard time believing that Jesus was God. I'd been raised to believe that that Jesus was created, that he was not God. And I began to read carefully the book of John, the gospel of John. And I became quite angry from the very beginning of the book. Because the claims that were being made for Jesus was that he was God. Not only was he God, but he was the creator God. He was the almighty God of heaven and earth. He was the ruler over kingdoms. He was the ruler of the universe. He was the creator of the universe. And I couldn't comprehend it. I said, Lord, how is it possible that you're the creator God? And I read where John said, he was before me. And I knew he'd been born after John. How could John say that he, was, that he was born before him? And then I was directed to go to Hebrews, the first chapter. And then I was directed to go to Colossians, the first chapter. And it was very apparent, very quickly to me, that Jesus is the true Messiah of heaven and earth but it was not for many years that I finally came to a place where I would say, I will receive only from your hand what you will give to me. Because there was a great distance between the reality of my physical world and the beliefs I had in my mind intellectually about who Jesus was. Yes, he was God, fully God fully man and fully God, born of a virgin. He came to open the way for redemption. He was a, an atonement of, for sin, and he came to redeem me, and I understood that. But there was a great distance between the reality of my physical life and Jesus And I had to begin repenting for that. I had to begin on my face before God. I, many years ago, I went into the prayer closet, and I began to cry out to God. I was not involved in active ministry. It was a time where God had called me apart. And so I would get on my face at at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I would pray till 5 o'clock in the afternoon day after day crying out to God and all I could see in front of me was a fence that kept me out of the throne room of God. I had a dream. It was Christmas time and I was standing looking through a chain link fence to a great table that was set with silver and china. Beautiful Beautiful food, all arrayed, steaming hot, ready for a meal. But I was shut out. I could not enter. There was no gate I could find. And finally, in sorrow and tears, I turned around and began to walk back to my house. And on the way, I met people who were carrying these beautifully wrapped packages. And they were going to the banquet from which I was shut out. And all I could do was weep. When I awakened, the next morning I went into the prayer closet and I began to weep before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm shut out of your kingdom. I'm shut out of the throne room. My prayers don't even reach you. And I began to repent For what I had grabbed in my life, and what I had done, the sin that I had committed, my pride and my arrogance and my hardness of heart, my unbelief, I began to cry out before the God of heaven regarding these things. That's when he finally came. And he said to me audibly after many months of this crying out before him. Will you receive from my hand only what I choose to give you? And I was in a desperate place. I was hungry. There was a repo order on my car. The utilities were all to be shut off. I was to be evicted from the house. Will you receive from my hand only what i choose to give you and i said lord yes and immediately money began to come immediately the next day that night my dear brother brought 16 bags of groceries i'll never forget that act of kindness and mercy It was overwhelming to my heart. But I knew it had come from the hand of Jesus. Very quickly, the Lord covered every expense. And then he said, now go back to Washington, D.C. And so I thought, well, okay, it's time to go back to Washington and we're going to start the new church. No. For five years... There was no ministry. Waiting on God. I'm sharing these things with you to say I have doubted whether or not God would answer my prayer. But I tell you, after that experience where God spoke to me the next morning, I went into the prayer closet And I got down on my face, and in the Spirit I expected to find that same fence locking me out of the banqueting hall, but it wasn't there. And I walked into the throne room of God in the Spirit and got on my face before Almighty God and began to praise and worship and honor His name. And I've been there ever since. Some of you may know that you're locked out of the kingdom of God you can't enter the throne room others of you have been allowed in the throne room and then you've tried to reach up and grab something from God and demand that you have your rights no he must become more and we must become less we must give to him all that we are and all that we have now God does not condemn us for doubts any more than he condemned John the Baptist for doubts God does not condemn us for doubts but he wants us to come to him and cry out to him and ask him to answer the prayers of our hearts and that means all sin has to go. There has to be true confession before him. For we will not receive from God's hand if we're walking in wickedness before him. We must repent if we expect to hear from God. And some of you today are in very desperate condition, physically, emotionally, spiritually, you don't know what to do with your marriage. You don't know what to do with your job. You don't know what to do with the cancer that's afflicting you. I can tell you right now, there's only one answer. Humble your heart before God and repent and seek his face. Turn off the television, turn off the internet, turn off the cell phone. Get on your face before Almighty God and and repent and cry aloud let the let the holy spirit direct your prayers and he will answer he will hear your cry now over here in the book of hebrews i want to read this for you Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. This is chapter 10, verse 32. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, or at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. These are people who only receive from the hand of God what he gives them. He was giving them persecution. He was letting the devil ravage them. Listen, you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith my righteous one. Or in the Greek, the righteous will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. yes doubts come doubts and fears assail us from the enemy and we have to make a decision will we trust jesus to give us only what he wants to give us from heaven and will we stand by faith and not waver and believe his promises We participate in the divine nature via the promises of God by faith. Don't shrink back from Jesus into your own discouragement and your own despair. Don't shrink back because it says they are destroyed in the end. And those who believe are saved. Now, there's no chapter 11 insertion here. It continues from from this verse into the next verse. All of these separations were made later. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what they were this is what they were commended for standing in the faith of the of the lord jesus even if our property is confiscated my late wife was dying of cancer and she said to me ray i'm standing by faith that god will heal me but if he does not i want you to say at my funeral the lord gives And the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I did do that when I preached her funeral sermon. You see, my plans are not God's plans, and my ways are not God's ways. His ways are higher than mine. And if I'm going to serve God based on his meeting, my expectations I am going to be sorely disappointed by him, even as John the Baptist was. We stand by faith. The universe was formed at God's command, at Jesus' command. Will you stand by faith today? And will you come before him and repent of your doubt and your sin? that he can respond to your prayer. Almighty God, I lift up every person listening to this broadcast, and I ask that you would give them that precious measure of faith and that you would cause them to know that you are everything for them, that they would rest in you, Jesus, that they would put their trust in you today, Jesus, that they would repent of everything that blocks them from coming into your throne room. Would you save them today in the name of Jesus? Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Falling
0: into presence you bless before the presence of his glory with great joy.